and welcome to Ahead of the Curve, the new podcast from Acadia Soft. In each edition, we're going to take time to get under the skin of the margin and collateral industry, to dig deep and present topical perspectives and insights on this hugely important sector. Some of the issues will be familiar, such as the importance of automation and data standards, innovation and the regulatory environment. But in Ahead of the Curve, we'll try to make sense of it all, see the big picture and understand what's in store for the future of this industry. And to do this, we'll be joined by expert guests from AcadiaSoft. For this first episode of Ahead of the Curve, who better to join me than Head of Community Development, Mark Demo, and Head of Industry and Regulatory Strategy, John Pucciarelli. Mark, John, welcome. Great, thank you. Yes, thank you. Tell me a bit about yourselves and your, your role at AcadiaSoft. Mark, I'll come to you first. Uh, thank you, John. As you mentioned, uh, I'm responsible for community development here at AcadiaSoft. It's a new role that, uh, that I'm in and focused on. And in that role, I'm responsible for maximizing client engagement across all of our products and then commercializing that engagement. Uh, and it's been, uh, it's been a fun couple of weeks so far. Well, it's great to have you, Mark. John, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I joined Acadia Soft in 2019. Originally, I was from uh, ISDA. I'd come over there. I spent about five and a half years in the industry over at ISDA and um, kind of moved into a role here. Um, now I'm, I'm heading up uh, industry and regulatory strategy. Um, a lot of that is is communicating directly with global regulators and really educating them on you know, what we do, what we offer, uh, the derivatives market and, and solutions uh, in collateral and risk. And also there's kind of a new new angle in terms of advocacy and, and public policy that we're, we're going to expand out and, um, and look to, uh, to formalize. So there's some exciting things coming. Obviously, um, I don't have to say how complex and, and how challenging uh, these regulations have been, but I think melding that with um, our solutions and, and really just letting the regulators and the industry know um, what we're providing in terms of relief and, and help uh, to some of those challenges is very important. So, you know, that's that's my responsibility. And that's something that, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about and, and look forward to, to kind of expanding on. Let's take stock. Uh, there really is only one story at the moment, and that's the ongoing impact of the coronavirus, COVID-19, on the global economy, on us all. From your perspective, from where you're sitting, how do you see things? Yeah, I mean, obvious. it's obvious, right? Um, this is uh, something that is crossing over everything, um, not only our business, but Everyone's business. I wrote in um, I wrote in a blog recently, um, you know, trying to compare the 2008 crisis, financial crisis, to what's happening now. Um, you know, that was you know by all intents and purposes a run on the banks. This is a run on the economy. It's it's you know I, I don't have any any other uh, perspective that nobody else has. Um, you know, we're seeing our restaurants, our bars, hotels close down. Everything from from a macro level to down into your local local towns. Is affecting us. So, um, you know, just looking at, you know, I've been looking at the um, the markets the last couple of days. Um, you know, we have seen an increase, right, of um, about 20, 25% from the lows in, in March. The it, What's interesting to me is how the market has reacted to kind of some of the stimulus and how that, how that compares to what's really going down, uh, what's happening on the ground in terms of the economy. They don't seem to, to correlate because I think there's a ton of pain happening down uh, in the real world, and it's not quite reflecting in the markets yet, although 
Um, we are seeing you know, some downturn coming. Um, we heard from Chairman Powell of the Fed uh, talk about an uncertain path ahead, and that kind of made markets turn. But um, I think there's a lot of uncertainty, and I think that's really what's affecting all of us from a, just from a real world perspective, what's going to happen in the next three months, six months, a year. So, you know, we're just keeping track of all of that and how, how that's all going to translate is, is something that I think is all on our minds. Mark, what, what do you make of that? It's a great point that John raises. It seems that uh, the markets and, and some of the economic indicators that we're getting from uh, national governments uh, across the world don't necessarily tally. We're all bracing for possibly one of the worst recessions that we've experienced, and yet markets don't necessarily seem to be reflecting that. What, what's your view? Yeah, I think the story is still being written. Uh, yes, the original volatility has faded, and markets and their participants were tested uh, during the, uh, March and early April and seem to have survived fairly well. Economic stimulus from governments around the world staved off a market route at that time, and automated systems such as our own generally performed very well under record volumes. Right Towards the end of March, we saw two and a half times our average daily volume of margin calls. Right, um, But I do think that it will... I, I do think we're at the beginning of a, um, uh, as John indicated in uh, earlier, that we're just at the beginning of the economic pain that's going to be generated from as a result of this. So how is all of this then changing the way businesses are thinking and acting? Mark, I'll come to you on this, especially when it comes to, and you, you raise this, you make this point um, in your answer just now around innovation, and I'm thinking more particularly here around automation. How is this changing the way businesses are thinking, Mark? Well, you're right. It will change things. And uh, I think aside from the obvious implications of working from home and the challenges that people have sort of gone through and overcome already, I think the climb out of the economic trough is going to be difficult for our clients. And so there's going to be incredible financial pressure on firms like Acadia Soft to continue to automate and innovate creating cost inefficiencies for firms that can be passed on. And that, and, and that is, we are, we are a utility. We, we can create uh, economies of scale. And I think that, uh, and, we, and we will continue to develop solutions that, uh, that help firms uh, save money, save time, and, uh, con- and continue to keep their costs continue to reduce their cost infrastructure and, and their infrastructure footprint locally uh, using more shared services in the cloud. John, uh, Mark there, indicating the, 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 the role that innovation has. Uh, what's your take? Yeah, I think these crises are bookmarks in be- and, and all the stuff that happened in between are now finally um, making folks realize that you need you need technological solutions to help you with your business, not only to save money, but to continue your business, generally speaking. Am I hearing that directly from clients? Not yet. I think we're going to hear more, more of that. I, I do know that the regulators are really, really interested in knowing what's out there, um, not just from an Acadiasoft perspective, um, although, you know, we're, we're getting a lot of questions and inquiries uh, from regulators to say, OK, how, how's this how's this going? You know, how, how, the, how is SIM, um, you know, the SIM IM model, you know, operating, um, you know, how are you been able to, to um, manage and process collateral uh, movements, et cetera. So 
they're interested to know. And I think there's there's a lot of opportunity to kind of, you know, educate them on on services like Acadia Soft Services to see how it's helping businesses continue, um, some of the, the largest banks to continue and to ensure that there's liquidity and risk mitigation uh, standards that, that um, take place and, and continue. The future, whatever it is, is much more likely to be one where we are not all sitting in the same office, where we're working remotely, wherever that may be. It may be at home, it may be um, on the beach, wherever it is, but we're not necessarily <laughs> nice. in the office. Yeah, wouldn't it just uh, when they finally let us out? But working remotely, does that necessarily work with big data with the more data you have to handle, the more volumes that you have to deal with. And you touched on on volumes there, um, John. Does that work for uh, for us all when we're working from home? Do we have to start thinking about the infrastructure that we're using differently as well? Uh, Mark, what, what do you think about that? I think it works. I think in some on some level, the um, our industry was probably a little slow to uh, adopt work from home technology or, or work from home options because showing up at the office was something that they always did. It. That's the way they always did it, right? And and when when the virus hit and they had to do it, they learned that they could do it, right? So I think that was a I think that was a big eye opener to a number of firms. I don't think data is any more or less important in a work from home or work in the office environment. I just think it's I think it's just a, a you know the fact of the situation on the ground caused firms to have to adjust, and they learned the fi- they learned that they can do do their business and and accommodate using technology in in more innovative ways uh, or more practical ways to stay connected. Right, and uh, they were take they just took advantage more of the tools that uh, that that were out there and and uh, have begun to utilize them more. I mean, there are so that's such a plethora of 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 remote. Uh, communication options now between Microsoft Teams and GoToMeeting and Citrix's WebEx and Slack and Zoom. They're all, everything is a Zoom call now, right? So the, yes. um, the, uh, so there's, there's, there's a new, you know, there's a new term for a conference call. It's called a Zoom call, but you, you know, you adjust and you keep moving based on the focus that you need to have to execute your job. So I think it, I think it's, I think it, that's worked pretty well. Just, just looking forwards uh, a little more now. Um, what are the major challenges ahead? You've you've touched on some of this already, but just just try and draw it together for us. And, and in particular, when it comes to key factors such as uh, uncleared margin rules, what, what what are the big challenges we need to prepare for? Yeah, I mean, look, I think I I don't think that the COVID nineteen pandemic um, changed any of the existing challenges. You know, I think I think that those challenges still remain. Um, I do think that um, you know the regulators and BCBS and IOSCO when they they you know recommended the one year extension because of this, I think was the right was the right thing to do. Um, and I don't think it's because of just firms working remotely. I don't think that had anything to do with it. It was more about firms needing to you know prioritize and make sure that they keep their lights on. Um, make sure that they're trading out of risk or trading and ensuring that they're, you know, that they're, they're operating correctly um, and managing their, their portfolios, et cetera. So they had a focus on that and not really on the regulatory deadlines. So I, I do think that all of the challenges aren't going away, um, meaning 
things that they need to prepare for. And, and you know, this is something that we've talked to our clients have since the beginning uh, of, of the UMR uh, regulations, which is, you know, making sure that you can calculate SIM and reconcile and put your custodial and, and legal documentation together. That, that all remains. But, you know, that one year delay um, kind of brings into, even though it's a relief on the face of it, you know, it does, it does kind of um, add new challenges. Meaning if I'm a phase five firm and I came into January of 2020 this year and I had a project team and I had budget um, and I was getting ready for September of 2020, here comes COVID-19, here comes in March um, a year delay. What do I do as a phase five or six asset manager? Because I have now a team that I hired I have a budget that I've been approved and I have to use, otherwise I, I may lose it. Do I keep going or do I put it off to next year knowing that I might have to restart in the middle of a project? Does that always work? So there's some big decisions. And I think think that is a big challenge um, that firms are facing now. So Mark, you've got uh, clearly there, it's a, a, an opportunity, but also a challenge this environment we're in, and especially as John says, if you're a phase five firm, what do you think? The non-cleared margin rules are a huge tax on firms that are in scope for this regulation, right? There's no new business that people generate out of this, right? You have to, if you, if you trade OTC derivatives over a certain amount, you're in scope, you have to implement these rules. Otherwise, you can't continue to trade. Right. So, so the the message that all along that we've been delivering is that that it makes you you will waste time and waste money if you go with this alone. And we've had at Acadia Soft, we've been blessed to work with. There's 75 firms around the world that are in scope for the first four phases of the non-cleared margin rules. We've worked with every one of them to help bring them into compliance. And there are about 250 firms in this next phase, this five, this phase five, and so, and so we, so we think that the um, we think that the pandemic, uh, the the pandemic and the resulting economic chaos, uh, and economic crunch that that will hit these firms, it'll it it'll definitely, there's definitely greater incentive to work in a quicker, cheaper way to become compliant with the rules and continue to trade, right? And John mentioned that those two regula- recent regulatory initiatives, right? Right, The ability not to become operationally ready if your firm doesn't exceed the 50 million reg IM threshold permissible under the rules, and then the year delay due to the virus, they were both designed for relief for these phase five and six firms that are in scope. So let me explain. In prior phases, the firms didn't that were in scope for uh, phase one through four didn't have a choice. They had to paper every in scope uh, CSA agreement. They had to set up custody accounts. They had to calculate regulatory IM and reconcile whether they were moving initial margin or not. Right, and the phase five and six firms now have a way to delay their operational readiness by choosing to monitor their reg IM exposure balances. Uh, but this sends this also sets up a dependency on the phase five firm who can't yet calculate reg IM exposure to the phase firm the the phase one through four firms who already do know how to calculate and do these uh, calculations daily right and because acadia soft we receive CRIF from every phase one through four in the world every day what we've done is we've extend this exposure 
a calculation and a reconciliation service to support the concept now of threshold monitoring, giving these phase five and six firms a central and inexpensive way to monitor the exposure that the dealers have calculated against them all in one place. The second adjustment is the year delay due to the virus, right? And as John mentioned, that caused a bit of confusion because five and six firms are now faced with, faced with a, a question. Should I continue with my compliance project or should I drop it and pick it up a year from now? These firms that want to continue and avoid the same rush next this time next year, what we've done is create the concept of a soft launch where firms who want to continue to calculate and reconcile or monitor using their dealer's calculated exposure can do so as if they would have gone live on their original compliance date, which was September 1st, 2020. Gentlemen, I'm going to come to the, the last question now for this first podcast and um, just take us away from maybe some of the detail and into a slightly broader matter. Both, both of you are living and breathing this industry. You're speaking to people and businesses all of the time. We've just been discussing that. But we want to get a sense of what you're hearing when you're speaking to people. What's the single most interesting or, or surprising thing that you've heard or been told recently? A bit of a left field question, but a nice one to finish on. John, how about you first? I think one of the, one of the surprising things to me um, was that, you know, and, and this, you know, and I hate to say it, but we, we talked about a lot of the innovation and the technology that we're, we're using at home and virtually um, to conduct our business, to continue our business, whether it's Zoom or whatever, whatever the tools are. I feel like we've been moving that way anyway, but we've also heard that you couldn't do certain things from home ever. Um, at least that's what I've I've heard. Um, and a lot of it is around trading. Um, now, you know, as you as you can see, some of the exchanges, a lot of the floor traders have kind of moved away because everything is electronic. But during the COVID crisis, all of the all of the floor traders are gone. Right? There's no there's none of them. Um, but trading continued. Um, I think the same could be said with um, anyone who's trading in, in any of these markets. Um, whether you're at a big bank or an asset manager. Um, 97 to percent, maybe even 100 percent of your workforce is now um, have a, has a Bloomberg terminal at home and is trading at home. And for a long time, we've we've heard that that's not possible. And I think to me, that's a validation of of all of the innovation and technology that has been being built up in the last 10 to 15 years. Um, and I hate to say it sounds like a dress rehearsal for for this, but kind of seems like it is now in retrospect. Mark, I don't know if you if you share the same thing, but that was kind of the big surprise that came out of this from my perspective. Yeah, I would just say the ease with which our firm and a number of other firms have made the transition from working every day in an office environment to the complete opposite where firms are now working every day uh, from home. And I have to tell you, John, I don't miss the commute. I, I may never go back. Well, gentlemen, there's certainly plenty more we could talk about, uh, but unfortunately, we're out of time. Um, John Pucciarelli, Mark Demo, thank you both for joining us for this first edition of Ahead of the Curve, the podcast from Acadia Soft. And thank you for listening. We'd like to know what you think, so please do get in touch and share your thoughts. And you can find out more about Acadia Soft and the great work John and Mark are doing by going to www.acadiasoft.com.
www.thinkandgrowthpodcast.com.